Welcome to DTC Pod, where we take you behind the wheel with the best founders and operators of consumer brands. You'll learn the ins and outs of business from setting up shop, hitting your first million, scaling past eight figures, and even navigating an exit. As founders ourselves, our goal is to help you learn from the best as you build. Visit us at dtcpod.com to sign up for our weekly newsletter, join our founder community, and find additional resources from every episode. DTC Pod is brought to you by Trend, the creative solution for your brand. Go to trend.io to access thousands of creators for content needs such as product photography, unboxing videos, or even TikTok and IG organic creative. Use the code DTCPOD10 for 10% off your next content purchase. What's up, DTC Pod? Today we're joined by Megan O'Brien, who's the founder and CEO of Arch Insights. So Megan, I'll let you kick us off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about Arch, uh, how you got started, and a little bit about your background as well. Yeah, absolutely. Excited to be here. Um, my name's Megan. I started Arch about a year ago, and the goal with Arch is to provide startups and SMBs access to consumer insights and market research. Um, have worked with 22 different brands in the DTC space, both in products and services at this point, helping them with things like concept testing, brand tracking, and just general consumer insights to answer some of their biggest questions before they start to invest in some of those kind of changes in their products and services. Um, I started Arch, like I mentioned, about a year ago, um, which was kind of just a culmination of many of the steps I've taken kind of in my career up to this point. Um, I started out as a consultant, so kind of with the analytical background and, and looking at a variety of different markets. Um, and then went to Harry's Inc. and was on the team that launched Flamingo. Um, and this is where I got kind of a deep view into consumer insights and really the value of consumer insights. Um, Harry's as a brand really values consumer insights and has an awesome consumer insights team. So I learned a ton there um, on the Flamingo team and use consumer insights to make a lot of the decisions that we were making at launch and kind of in that early growth stage. Um, then I went to HBS, spent some time in VC, um, and did some freelance work while I was in school in consumer insights, um, and just continued to see that there was just this gap in the market for consumer insights providers that startups could afford and were helpful for startups. So uh, post-graduation, did uh, jumped into Arch full-time. You no, know, it sounds like a, a good match between having the, the background in consulting and D2C and CPG, and then being able to launch a service like this yourself. So the one thing I'm curious about is why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, consumer insights, right? Like, why does it matter? How should brands be thinking about it, especially when you're taking a product to market and maybe before you fully invest in an idea, found a manufacturer, anything that, like that, you're starting with a problem and you say, I, I want to come up with a product to solve this problem, right? So what's the role that consumer insights play in that whole process? And what are, you know, how do people... How do, how do people get them and how do people use them? Yeah, so I work with a lot of companies that are kind of in that pre-launch stage or thinking about launching new product lines and Consumer Insights is a perfect place to plug in there. Um, the reason being is, as I'm sure many of you who are in the DTC space are familiar, investing in products is super expensive. So making sure that there is a real need for that product before you invest all of that capital to invest in inventory in particular um, and or coding of your platform. Um, it's really helpful to understand if there is a real need and a real pain point out there. Um, I also am just a strong believer that if you give people a platform to give their opinion, 
you're going to learn a lot. And so you, there might be a pain point there that um, you are solving and you're kind of onto something, but listening to the consumer and hearing what they have to say about the pain point, there might be three or four new things that you learn that could really kind of take your product or service to the next level or increase your market size with just a couple of easy changes before you go into that development. So that's kind of the first step. And then once products are even in development, it can be really helpful to put the products or the product concept in front of potential purchasers of that project or of that product um, or service. And reason being is you might have amazing ingredients in your lotion, say, um, but if the consumer doesn't understand kind of what those products are used for, or how they're helpful, or how do you really communicate the value of what you're making that's new and different to that consumer? Um, and that's where some of that feedback, especially qualitative feedback in that case, um, can be really helpful when you think about the initial launch marketing materials, your website and things like that, and really bringing the company to life. Um, so there are a lot of places where consumers can really plug in and, and make a difference in um, that pre-launch stage. And even as you start to think about imagery and messaging, for the brand, for the ads and things like that, um, getting that initial feedback pre-launch is super important before investing all of that money um, on that development. I'm curious, do you have a framework for how co those consumers make make those decisions? And like, what are the things they, you know, the attributes that they go through to to determine a, a purchasing decision? And, and what are the things that they value? And not all of them value the same things as much as others might like, you know, somebody might be really concerned about the ingredients. Um, another person yeah. might be really concerned about other things. And so what what is the decision-making process for the, for the typical consumer? Because we all know what ours is, but um, right. we do them on a subconscious level. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's where um, it's really fun for me personally to see kind of across the different brands, people's hierarchy of wants and needs can shift based on the industry. So for some of the brands I work with, they're really focused on sustainability and bringing a sustainable product to market. And so in that case, often their consumer base um, or their initial consumer base is super eco-focused. That's something that's higher up in their hierarchy of wants and needs um, versus for other brands. It's something that's a little bit more of a nice to have for people right now um, versus something that they're looking for kind of going out and, and searching for themselves. So I would say it varies a lot from, from brand to brand in terms of how people think about their purchasing decision. And that's why it's really important to understand who your target consumer base is and then understand their specific hierarchy of needs and wants um, and what messaging resonates with them. Because if you target every single person in the United States, um, it's going to be really hard to get messages that resonate with everyone. And, and there are brands that, that have been able to do that. But um, especially for these startup brands, when you're kind of figuring out who's your wedge in, who is your like initial group of promoters and what do they really care about and how do you get them excited about the brand? Um, that's where it becomes super important to kind of get to know that consumer base and understand their wants and needs better. Um, I would say there's not really kind of just a standard list of here are the things that are, are most important. And I think price often is an important one for just kind of general population when you look at um, things more broadly. But, you know, it depends a lot by the product and service and, and who that target individual is that you're hoping to acquire. And then, Megan, the, the next question or the one point that you made that I think is like really important about the way 
people make purchasing decisions and the way businesses respond to those is the fact that as a brand, um, you know, a lot of times you just need to get started. And then as you get started, you're going to be able to understand, you're going to hear your customers, you're going to hear what they're, they're wanting, what they're saying, and then you're going to be able to think about product development in that lens. So obviously, sometimes before you even started, consumer insights are important because you're trying to understand what market to go after and what product to build, et cetera. But why don't you talk about it a little bit from the perspective of a brand that's already kind of established, maybe they have their first a couple products use in market and they're trying to make a decision on where to go next. Like how, yeah. how should they leverage, you know, broader consumer insights combined with, you know, maybe some snippets of customer feedback from what they know about the specific niche of customers that they're already serving. Well, like how do you make decisions in, in that context? as opposed to just, you know, getting started from the ground up? Yeah. So I do a lot of work with my clients around that who are a little bit more established. And one way we do that is through called quarterly customer surveys. So sending out a survey to your customer base on a semi-regular basis to kind of keep a pulse check on the NPS of the brand. How are people feeling about the different products? It's also a good temperature check. Um, if you're having any kind of issues with specific products you're having, um, getting some more verbatims around why is this happening, what is this feedback from, and things like that. Um, it's also a really good time to kind of start to test with your current customer base what they're interested in in terms of follow-on products. Um, so that's kind of one type of work that I do with those clients. For others, I do segmentation type work and getting to understand some of the key personas that we're targeting. Um, and the value in this is, I think that there's a lot of value in understanding the person, not only in the context of how they're purchasing that specific product, but who are they as a person beyond that? What's their ecosystem? You know, what do they like to watch on Netflix? What do they like to purchase at the grocery store? Where are they shopping um, for their clothing? Because if you start to understand who this person is at a broader level, understand who they are what's important to them, what drives them on a day-to-day -day basis, then you can continue to target your messaging towards those individuals in a way that resonates with them. And you can also gather information from them around pain points that they're having. Um, I've always said my favorite product that we launched at Flamingo was the ingrown spot treatment. Um, and it all came from just listening to the pain point of the consumer. And um, it's an awesome product and it really resonated with our consumer. And, and I think it's um, one of my favorite products that I've been involved with. And it really all came down to giving people, your own current customers, the opportunity to voice their opinions and, and voice their pain points. Um, and so I think it's super important to kind of not get caught up just in your growing business and really take the time to invest in keeping a pulse check on your on your customers. So that that leads me into my next question because I do believe uh, customer led product development is is a really cool opportunity and something that brands can really tap into. But like you were saying before, if you're just starting from the ground up, maybe you have an idea of a specific niche or group of people that you want. But once you've already have customers, not only do you have a specific niche like you were saying, you have different customer segments that are different, but they're all related to your brand. So how do you think about segmentation in the lens of um, you know, an existing brand who has all different sorts of customers? How should they know which feedback to take, which they shouldn't listen to, and how to make a product 
how to make product decisions based on uh, you know who and where the feedback is coming from. Yeah, so that's where you do a combination of both looking internally and looking externally. So if you really know your own consumer base, you can start to identify kind of key traits about these individuals um, that make up this meaningful percentage of your customer base and, and usually your highest value portion of your customer base. Um, and then you can kind of go into the market and look for lookalikes and understand kind of what is the market size of those individuals um, more broadly. And then also think about kind of where are follow on segments to that initial core segment that you might want to target. Um, and then what can you do that keeps your core um, excited and keeps your core engaged in the brand, but also allows you to kind of expand from the core um, and bring in some of those other individuals as well. Um, and so I, that's why I think it's really important to kind of look internally first, understand who you are today, who are your customers, um, why do your customers love you? Um, and then understand kind of how do you identify lookalikes or people who kind of be like one step different, but could be really amazing high value customers for your company um, through kind of broader general population surveying and getting to know some of those individuals a bit better. Megan, my next question is more about um, like brand values, right? Mm -hmm. I think there's so many different, like there's so many brands popping up in today's landscape and everyone values all these different things, right? So like, and some sometimes brands like really mean it as part of what they're doing. And other times they're just like, ooh, like this isn't like a nice buzzword. Yeah. Let's say, let's say we're sustainable or let's say we're this or that, or we'll say we're that. So as a brand, how do you think about what really to focus on? And, um, you know, how, how does this, this kind of idea of like true brand values come into the idea of like product development and customer insights? Yeah, that is an awesome question. Um, this is something that comes up all the time with my clients. Um, the consumers are becoming a lot smarter. This next generation of consumers, particularly Gen Z, millennials, they're not looking at just kind of the we're green. They're going one step deeper. They want to understand, okay, why are you green? You know, what are you doing that is actually eco-friendly? They're becoming more aware of greenwashing and just messaging just to message versus actually staying true to your message. Um, and so I've heard that in some of my um, talking with potential consumers and even just talking with kind of individuals in the space, they are saying it's more and more important that if you're going to say something like that, you need to stand behind that and you need to be able to show your consumer kind of how you're meeting those messages. And I think that's where focus groups in particular can be really helpful because if you say our brand stands for this um, and then you don't really, you're not sure how to message kind of like, here are the things that our customers are looking for to kind of help show that this is really a like eco-friendly or an inclusive um, brand, it can help you as a brand understand what you need to do to be better to meet those messages that you think that you are standing for. Um, and so that type of feedback loop, um, I think is incredibly important for brands um, in today's day and age where people are doing a lot more research. Yeah. And I think that is really important. It's about like, you can only do, do so much as a brand. So if you're going to say you're doing something, you should actually do it as opposed to yeah. just trying to like say, oh, we're this, we're that, we're, 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 we have all these great traits about us, but you don't actually do anything. And that could probably cause a little bit 
more damage than than good, right? So yeah, um, I th I think that's that's pretty insightful for brands to really be thinking about. Okay, if we're gonna make a claim, let's actually make it, and then understand from the consumer's perspective, like what if that messaging actually drives the needle? There might be some sometimes brands might just say some things about themselves that consumers don't actually care about. They might say, right. and they, there might be a small vocal minority that says like, oh, we want brands to say they're this and we want brands to say they're that, but really using consumer to insights to be like, okay, how many customers care? Which are the customers that actually care? And if we go after this initiative, is it really going to move the needle or is it just like, five people who are like being loud or saying you need to do this and like a brand, you know, changing their whole identity for a, a small minority. Yeah. This is why creator brands are doing so well because they have the true fans because the brand stems from a lifestyle of that creator of things they actually do in their daily lives. And so it's very authentic in that form. And the ones could the creator led brands that flop are because they do the opposite. It's an inauthentic brand that doesn't really fit into the lifestyle and so as a brand that's a bit more challenging because there is no unique individual you know the ceo is not publicly out there um and so um this is where the community then comes into play and how you use that message to sort of educate your customers and highlight you know their their daily lives so um is there a way that you communicate directly this consumer insights with marketing to sort of do this education to you know amplify whatever the findings are and, and portray that lifestyle um of whatever the brand you know the, the customer segment is trying to go after yeah um well i love your use of the word authenticity authenticity and i think authenticity and transparency have become so big and, and something consumers are are really looking for um and so thinking through kind of we talked a little bit before about messaging hierarchy, and that's a lot of work that I've done with people in terms of, you know, how would you rank these different key traits about this business? And you can get a sense for kind of what percentage of the population is interested in those specific things. Um, and I think choosing a couple things to be really good at instead of trying to be everything to everyone um, is something that I generally recommend to the brands that I work with. And I think um, it's a combination of there's a quantitative piece of kind of how would you rank these different messages and how would you rank these things that are important to you? But then there is a qualitative piece to it to like, what does this mean to you? What does transparency mean to you? What does being eco-friendly mean to you? Um, and just having that dialogue kind of helps to determine kind of like what can the brand do that feels authentic and feels um, relatable and meaningful to the people that they are marketing towards. Um, and I think just always keeping that in mind is is helpful for the brands. The 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 reason I ask that is because I I'm curious on the creative element of that. You know, like just like the sustainability piece, a lot of people hear these words, um, and then they just go model somebody that's already done it well. When oftentimes yeah. what what comes up out as authentic typically is something very creative and different. And so then yeah. sometimes brands might be like, oh, we just got to be different. But then yeah. they model off of someone else. And it, it, Blaine, it reminds me of that podcast we did recently with um, the kid from, uh, he was in South Korea or something. They're very different, that clothing company. I mean, they... Oh, yeah, Sunday. Yeah, Sunday School. Um, they, they are a cannabis brand, but their thinking is so different. 
Um, yeah. And it's been really authentic for them to build a true following. So I feel like creativity, that's why I was asking then, how does marketing then go and implement that? Because it's likely yeah. very, the success is dependent on on the creativity element of implementation. Definitely. And I think that was something where I saw a lot of value in consumer insights. And I am super grateful for the creative team that we had at Flamingo because they taught me so much in terms of what can I ask in focus groups? What can I put into surveys to help to get to some of that helpful output that can help guide the creative team on kind of here are some guidelines of what's most important to the consumer and what they care about, et cetera, but also leaving that space for the people who are going to be creative and going to come up with these amazing ideas to be able to do that. And I think it's a fine balance between, um, you know, prescribing here are the things that everyone cares about and here's exactly what it should look like versus leaving space for creativity. Um, and part of my goal in the insights that I give back to um, my clients is kind of leaving that room for creativity um, in that it's, you know, here's what people are saying, here's what people are thinking, but let's take it one step further and add in, you know, imagery or messaging testing and kind of understanding, you know, people like green over blue, but still giving, you know, the full flexibility of green or things like that, where you give the creative team still some space to be creative and come up with something that is awesome and unique and different. Um, and yeah, that was one of my biggest, biggest learnings coming from kind of a, a very business background and, and dabbling into the marketing and creative world. And so very grateful for them for teaching me that lesson. Yeah, no, I, I love that. And when you worked at Harry's, you know, was there, was there any, when you started working on Flamingo, was there any specific goal um, in terms of like, how do you guys strive towards, you know, is it to launch a specific product line? Is it to launch a product line that reaches X in revenue or was it launch three product lines? Like what was the original intention of, of, of setting off this consumer insights team? And, and, you know, what were the initial goals? Yeah. So the initial goal was really just to understand the female consumer at a deeper, deeper level and create products that work well for her. And I think, um, I was not there for the initial R and D on the Flamingo team. I started right as we were going into launch, but, um, the R and D team was incredibly thoughtful in the way that they developed the products. For example, like the shaving cream is super thick. So it stays on in the shower and the way that women and men use shaving cream is super different. Um, and so the way that they went about it was just incredibly thoughtful. And I spent a lot of my kind of first couple months at Flamingo on the phone with women and understanding what the consumer journey was. How is she discovering brands? Um, how is she interacting with brands? How is she making purchase decisions? What's it like when she gets products in the mail? How does she think about when she opens them? How does she feel? When does she start to use them? Um, and then how does she start thinking about repurchase and, and what communications does she want from the brand and things like that. So really kind of putting yourself in the shoes of this consumer and understanding um, how she's using the products. And that means a lot of uh, time, you know, sending surveys out to our current customer base and also just getting on the phone with them and asking them about the experience, asking them about what they did previously asking about where they still feel like the needs aren't met. Um, and so I probably spent hours when we first launched the brand on the phone. And I would also have people from the team come in and listen to um, 
And we, they just really, really valued the customer voice. And also I was a consultant coming in and, and working at a hard products company. Um, and my background in consulting was some retail, some healthcare, but when you're a consultant, you're giving advice and you're doing analytics, it's not really like your product. And um, I was making all these decisions that I had never had to make before in terms of you know, helping think through what the end cap looks like and helping think through what the packaging looks like for our next line of products um, and working with the supply chain team and um, just taking on all these roles for the first time. I helped with one of our acquisition channels and doing ads for the acquisition channels. And um, I just was learning so much and I realized how much consumer insights helped me make all those decisions, especially on days where I felt a little bit like I was over my skis and uh, wasn't sure how to make the decision. For me, I was really rooted in the consumer insights and, and kind of following the lead of the consumer. Megan, the other question I have um, about that is, so it, when, when you guys are, so clearly the consumer insights are touching so many different parts of the brand, right? And all the customer touching points of the business, people in the business who are working on customer facing things should be thinking through the lens of customer insights and understanding this sort of stuff. So beyond marketing, like who are all the teams that this sort of stuff touches, right? Is it, it's gotta be product, it's gotta be marketing, it's gotta be copywriting. It, it, like, like you were saying, even like the email campaigns or the packaging, it touches so many different parts of like the product yeah. and the buying journey, right? It touches almost every part of the business and, um, I feel so lucky that I got to work in consumer insights in kind of a, a bigger business setting before starting my own company and, and getting involved with all these other brands because I can really help them think through how these consumer insights can be used across a variety of different places in the business. Um, I think one place where it's super helpful is from a retail sell-in perspective, getting kind of some of those bigger stats around, you know, how many people are interested in my product? Where are they shopping today? Um, things like that can be so valuable and so compelling in those types of decks. Um, it's really helpful from an imaging and messaging perspective, which can be applicable to um, growth marketing. It can be applicable to kind of marketing more broadly, um, to the creative team. This provides something that's kind of like a central um, group of insights about this customer. And then of course, with product development, um, which then brings in kind of the product team and supply chain um, and even kind of the finance team as you think about forecasting um, how big these products can be and what the market size will be. There's just so much that comes back to consumer insights in terms of helping you guide those decisions. Um, and that's really what I think the awesome value of consumer insights is um, and why I get excited about doing the work I do and watching my clients have find some of the success based on consumer insights, whether it's if they're raising or trying to sell in to different retailers or repackaging or developing new products. Um, it's really cool just to be able to be a part of that journey with them um, and help them kind of think through where these insights can be valuable to them and, and where they can kind of use them to their full potential. So the next question I have is like, you know, maybe we, we try to make this a little bit more actionable. So let's, for example, imagine we're launching either a skincare brand or a supplements brand or an apparel brand, anything you can, you can kind of take your pick. And yeah. what would, 
what would the first things you do as it pertains to consumer insights be, right? Like if we're starting at the ground floor, how do you think about starting uh, approaching consumer insights? What are the insights you're kind of looking for um, to give you to build con to help you build conviction about whatever product it is you want to take to market? Yeah, definitely. Um, so I think kind of from first initial thought, I think first just comes friends and family and kind of looking around and saying, you know, does the group of people that I'm in or kind of even tangentially related to the group of people that I spend time in, is this something that is a pain point across multiple people, not just me? And I think before you even kind of take the leap of getting deeper into consumer insights, it's a little bit of being willing to ask other people around you what they think of the idea and kind of starting to to create a little bit of a roadmap for yourself of what this differentiated product or service could be um, that's addressing this pain point. The reason I say that is you could just do a survey of kind of, do people have this pain point? But I think it's a better use of capital to not only see, is there a pain point that exists, but also at the same time kind of ask directionally this new concept we're coming up with, is this solving the pain point? Or, or would you be interested in, in purchasing this product or service to help solve the pain point and kind of do multiple things at one time. That's one of the goals that I have with insights, particularly working with startups and SMBs. I've sat in the chair of a startup before and you don't have a ton of money to spend. So anytime we can kind of condense and answer multiple questions um, in one place, I try and do that for my clients. Um, from there, you get some initial insights on the pain point and some initial kind of insight onto this concept that you're developing. Um, from there, it's often kind of taking it internally if there is a market size for this and it is interesting to people and developing it a bit more internally and then coming back um, and doing additional consumer insights. Um, at that point, depending on how built out the product is or not, um, generally I, I like to do qualitative research because I like people to get research from, even if it's a fewer number of people, to get actual feedback and voices um, around this product or service. And I just think there's so many ways that people add value in focus groups and one-on-one -on -one calls looking at the product and service. Um, and you're so in it as the founder that you don't realize sometimes there's these like really little tweaks that you can make um, that would provide tremendous value for those individuals. Um, and then they go back and kind of continue building and continuing to develop this product. Um, and then sometimes we'll run another survey if they want to understand kind of more broad market size um, of this specific solution that they've come up with. Um, but then kind of like once it's in development, um, they generally start working on branding and imagery and messaging. So I've helped a lot of clients with that um, in terms of just testing different images. And people are so funny, like a certain word can really throw people off or make people really excited. Um, and the way that someone stands in an image matters. And um, so helping them think through some of those things and get feedback on some of those things. Um, and then once the product is a little bit more finalized in terms of physical product, if we're talking about like supplements or skincare or apparel, um, it's getting that in front of people, whether that's like with a concept or in their hands physically. Um, and then some marketing materials around the specific products. And again, it's helping consumers understand the value in these products and services. And most people don't start a company if they don't really think that they're doing something that's kind of new and different and providing incremental value 
um, out in the world. And so the question is kind of how do you communicate that to people in a way that they can understand and then they also want to purchase your product and service. Um, and so I help people kind of think about that product messaging. And that's where a lot of like the copywriting comes in where they might have like an initial take of copywriting and then um, people give feedback on it and they kind of do their final round after that. Um, and then the products launch uh, and sometimes help with, you know, feedback on the website and things like that, um, just to make sure that people can navigate it easily and are understanding kind of all the different offerings. Um, and then it comes to, you know, new product development. What's next? What's the next line of things? How do you keep that customer group engaged? Uh, and then once it's a bit bigger, thinking about some more segmentation um, and understanding that base a bit more. So the next question I have is, this is going to be a fun one. This kind of takes the other side, right? Because as a founder, um, you, you know, you want to obviously listen to customers, but sometimes you can't listen to everything that everyone says, because if you please 100% of the people, 100% of the time, you'll, you're not going to get anywhere, right? So how as a founder, do you have a lens and understand what feedback is valuable, what you should respect, but maybe not actually put into action? How do you think through those decisions and have a lens as a founder to build um, the, the right product? Yeah, definitely. Um, I think in particular, when it comes to confusion around messaging of the product, that's where you should really listen to the consumer. Because if the consumer is confused about what the product is or what the value prop is of the company, um, then no matter how amazing your product or service is, if no one understands it before they can purchase it, it's really hard to, to sell that product. Um, and so I really encourage people to focus on that. Um, however, for things like, you know, developing the product, I can give them the feedback that the consumer is giving, you know, maybe they just don't like um, this specific food or this specific product. And generally, my question then back to the founder is just, are you sure that this is your right target market? Um, and is there someone out there that this is really valuable for that we haven't found yet? And, and or is there like a messaging discrepancy on like what the value is of this product? Um, you know, people have amazing products that they're developing, they have this like exact thought in their mind. And for me, I'm trying to help them figure out how they message that product and how they find that right group of people um, that's really passionate about that product. Um, in terms of, you know, not taking everybody's feedback, there's always going to be some people in the room whose feedback is like a little bit of an outlier or they have a strong opinion um, that feels like pretty individual. Um, and generally, I'm pretty good with, you know, helping the brands parse through, you know, here are the top things that came up over and over again. Um, and, and here are the things that, you know, came up here and there, maybe listen to them, um, maybe don't take it with a grain of salt. Um, and with all of these, for a lot of the startups, it's a smaller end of people. It's less expensive to get, you know, 15 people versus 10,000 people to give you feedback on this product and service. And so that's where I think Arch is a little bit different than some of the other places out there is, you know, it's, it's directional feedback. It's quick. It's to the point it's actionable and how much you choose to take of it versus not, um, that's up to you as the founder. You know, if you feel really passionate about the specific ingredient being in your product and that's the game changer um, and all the people in the focus group don't like that product, um, the question is, you know, if you feel really passionate about it, let's work together to figure out 
how do we message the value of this pro or this ingredient or this thing in your product that you feel really passionate about that everyone else is a little put off by or doesn't like. Um, and so it really comes down to a little bit the founder kind of deciding, you know, this is the thing that I feel really passionate about. And then me helping them think through, okay, like clearly it didn't land in focus group. What are we going to do to to help change perception of this uh, moving forward? And Megan, as we kind of wrap up here, what, um, you know, for, for people who are thinking about like getting more involved with customer insights and, you know, making it more a part of their business, where can they connect with you, learn more about Arch? Are you guys on social or like, yeah, why don't you give us just a shout out to where, where listeners can learn a little bit more? Yeah, definitely. Um, so we have website, archinsights.co, it's A-R-C-H insights.co. Um, and also my email's on there, just Megan at archinsights.co. Feel free to reach out. Tell me you listen to the podcast um, and would love to, to jump on a call and, and talk more about insights. I love chatting insights. So um, always happy to, to make that time. Sweet. Well, congrats on the progress so far. We're, we're super excited to see where this goes because I know customer insights, it's not the easiest things for brands to scale. They're all looking for them. And especially as there's more and more brands, it becomes really important to make all the right decisions. So best of luck to you guys uh, this year. And we can't wait to check in and see how you guys grow uh, in 2023. Awesome. Thanks for having me. It was great to chat. Thank you, Megan. Thanks for tuning in. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod. Thanks for tuning in and we hope you enjoyed this episode of DTC Pod. If you enjoyed the show, we'd love your support. A rating and a review would go a long way as we continue to host the best builders in DTC and beyond. Follow and subscribe to the show and make sure to check out our show notes where you can find our socials and weekly newsletter. Visit us on dtcpod.com to join our founder community and access resources from every episode. We'll see you on the next pod.